the San Diego Padres in what can only be described as vengeance against me for saying that they should probably be sellers at the deadline sweep for the first time all year another team and it's of course Shohei Otani's Los Angeles Angels reacting to the series recapping it where do we go forward and just kind of the wackiness of a fun holiday infused series so gonna talk about all of that and much more guys you know you're listening to so let's get on started you are locked on Padres your daily San Diego Padres podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for the, 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 the Thursday, June 6th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, at least for now. Who knows? I don't know. I haven't set up my Threads account, if anyone's wondering. I uh, might do that later on when I have more time. Uh, you can check me out there for all my weird tweets and whatnot, and then also at LO underscore Padres with live sort of updates that I've been a little bit slack on lately, but I'm going to get back on that. And then Lockdown Padres on YouTube, closing in on 1,000 subscribers. You there, listener or viewer, if you haven't subscribed yet, what are you doing? Don't you want to be number 1,000? Come on now. You want to do it? Come on. Come on. I know you want to do it. So go do that, guys. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed GameTime. Today is the rare, fun sort of episode for the San Diego Padres, uh, this Lockdown Padres podcast in particular. Remember, free and available on all platforms, guys. Remember that. We're, we're, we're killing it. Um, look, it's really funny. And let me just, full disclosure, my last two episodes, one of them were, uh, I think one of them was the, them being the disgrace to baseball. And then another one was recapping the series from the past weekend. And then I did one talking about, you know, whether or not the Padres should be sellers at the deadline. And I just want to, full disclosure, say that I had recorded that on, I believe, Monday. Uh, I had recorded that because I was going away for a little mini mini vacation uh, for the holiday break, I guess, uh, for July 4th. Hope everybody had fun as well. So that's why it was maybe a little bit weird that this team had won two games against the Angels and you're getting an episode about how I think they should be sellers. I don't think that that podcast is affected too much by this. I think that this is a great win for the Padres. I think that the thing, the big takeaway to talk about with the deadline is the Padres, this isn't about what we think. This isn't about what they should do. To me, I view these next couple weeks as being crucial, and it determines what is A.J. Peller going to do. And since he's a gambler, he's a madman, he clearly has the cojones to pull off anything, right? Like, with the amount of moves he's made, if there's even a chance that they can make the postseason, the greater the chance, even if it's only like an 18.7, a a 25% chance or something like that, I think they might take it. So, you know, take with that what you will. Uh, But in terms of just this series, the Padres played pretty okay. Um, They didn't play that great in the last game, though even though they did end up getting the W. Uh, They win 5-3 against the Angels. One person that did play super well, though, Mr. Seth Lugo, 3.39 ERA on the season. It's worth pointing that out. He just came back somewhat recently, uh, back June 21st against the Giants, and he's been kind of effective. He's only given up five runs in total across four starts. He's gotten a decent amount of strikeouts, but the biggest thing with him is no walks, really. He only had one walk in last night's game and only one in the previous four starts, uh, previous three starts. 
um, not counting last night's game. So he's been just very accurate. And I know I say this with Waka and Lugo a lot, but just as back-end starters, they've been tremendous. I didn't mention in the selling segment um, with potential trade pieces, I did forget to bring up Seth Lugo. I feel bad about that because I think Lugo is an interesting piece. I think that it's possible that particularly with Waka and Lugo, that teams might be saying, well, how much is the Padres' defense potentially covering up for them? Because the Padres, if you go by outs above average, even defensive runs saved, have some of the best defensive overall players in the league. Bob Melvin on, uh, what was it, on Tuesday night after the game, after Hassan Kim makes a play that we're going to talk about in a little bit, called him the best defender like in our game. So... Um, and, and I don't think that he's really exaggerating. Like, Hassan Kim has been that incredible for the team, along with Tatis and Manny Machado, obviously. Cronenworth at first, and, and Xander Bogarts at short, and then Grisham in the outfield, right? Like, they have so much good defense that I'm wondering, maybe, uh, if, if I'm another team, are you sure you want to buy in totally into what Lugo um, is doing or what, you know, Michael Walk is doing? I think that Snell, because of the strikeouts, he's a little bit immune from this. I think that that shows you that he doesn't rely on necessarily defensive plays and ground ball outs nearly as much. Like I said, uh, uh, um, you know, the other episode was that he has like a 41% strikeout rate over his last seven starts, which is obscene. Um, but it's still worth pointing out that, look, Lugo can have some value. So that start last night, that's what the Padres needed. It was really fun. It was really cool that he came in and shut down a team that, granted, took some L's this series. And it's not just because of the sweep. You have Anthony Rendon hitting himself on Tuesday night with the foul ball because Anthony Rendon, while, yes, his big thing has been staying healthy, he's also very underwhelming when he is healthy uh, in a lot of ways, but he even still manages to get hurt. Uh, Shohei Otani gets pulled from a start. And then, of course, Mike Trout, Hamade Bone. I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, he's out four to eight weeks. So the San Diego Padres not only swept the Angels, but I think they killed their morale uh, pretty much completely. Uh, and I feel really bad about that, to be honest with you, because I like the Angels and I was rooting for them. I think they were going to potentially become one of my secondary teams if the Padres fell out, just someone to fall for, follow from the American League. Um, but with everything going now, it's just it's really rough for the Angels. But they win this game 5-3. And I mentioned that I don't think they played very well. It's because they left a lot of people on base. Uh, they had multiple times when they had runners uh, at all the bases, runners at the runners at every base, so just bases loaded. I don't know why I'm phrasing that weirdly. Um and the reason that they got runs was because of a pickoff attempt that went wrong by Patrick Sandoval, the opposing pitcher for the Angels, that allowed Tatis to score from third, and a walk with Manny Machado in the bases loaded that allowed, uh, I'm not I'm not sure who was it that scored there, let me see, give me one second guys, uh, it was Hassan Kim to score uh, and move all the runners up. So look, the Padres have shown that they're more than capable of drawing a walk this year, like for sure. Um, in fact, an on-base percentage, they're 12th in baseball. Batting average, they're 23rd, though. That's, so that shows you a little bit of a, a problem there. So they haven't been great in that respect. But I'll still take it. Don't get me wrong. But that's why I just have to point out again that while they did score five runs, keep in mind that it wasn't just getting pure hits. I mean, Xander Bogarts, he gets a ground out that allows um, Fernando Tatis Jr. to score in the bottom of the seventh. Um, Manny Machado, basically the the hero of this game in a lot of ways. He hits a solo shot to give them the lead in the bottom of the six. And I tweeted and I stand by it. Oh my gosh, I will never tire of seeing Manny Machado swing. It is so gorgeous, so full circle. Ah, it's great. And I think people have probably compared it to Alex Rodriguez's swing before, but it's apt. Except it feels like he even swings the lumber even more across his entire body, it feels like, than A-Rod did. But uh, love that. 
hey, hoping that he can, you know, uh, heat up because he has been one of the biggest disappointments on this team this year. Uh, Yes, people talk about Xander, but for me, Machado, considering that it's not like he was traveling to an entirely new team, he's been really rough. Uh, Still pretty underwhelming slash line of a 258 average and 304 on base. He's slugging decent enough. He has been playing better um, as of late. In fact, in June, he slashed, oh my gosh, even in June, he wasn't that great. Wow, I thought that he had a good June. I was wrong. 262, 295 on base. He's not walking. Uh, that's a big thing with Machado, and he needs to take more walks. And he always usually does, so I'm very confused by that. Um, hopefully he can get it going in the second half especially. But, man, it is it is frustrating to see him because unlike Tatis, I think that Tatis is so unbelievably talented and has the speed that while Tatis has also swung at literally every pitch imaginable this year, he seems to be able to beat it out. He seems to be able to reach some stuff that's off the plate and you know get there with some speed and whatnot and with his power. So, again, that doesn't mean Machado should be blamed for not being as fast as Tatis, but I'm just saying that's part of the reason why his aggressive approach at the plate has been hurting him this year. Um, I think he's kind of paying up on being so aggressive at the plate previously um, in past few years. In fact, his first pitch swing percentage was up a lot last year, and his overall swing percentage was out up a lot. Out of contact, out of zone swing percentage was up these past couple of years, and that resulted in like MVP quality numbers. Like He was more aggressive, and it helped, especially for a team that needed it last year. But now you're seeing that it's just not fully working right now, so he has to tinker with it. Again, I hope that he does, but I'm just saying he basically hasn't had any quality Manny Machado month. Uh, so far through the season. I thought he had like a 350 on base. I guess he entered another slump. Happens, I guess. Um, But even still, regardless, the last thing that happens here, the Padres have to bring in Josh Hader for the save. Thankfully, because of the extra run they scored in the bottom of the, what was it, the eighth? Bottom of the eighth with the main Machado walk, they get a little bit more insurance. Hader comes in, Renfro flies out. That was the batter that I was the most scared of, to be honest with you. Taylor Ward draws a walk, but it doesn't matter. Renhifo flies out, and then Chad Wallach strikes out swinging. They used Hayter, and that shows you that they really wanted this series um, because they had used him for a third night in a row, um, which they had not done basically, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure, like all year. It is something that they came under fire for not doing against the Giants. So Hayter was in. Maybe there was an understanding of being like, look, we know that you want to get paid in the offseason, but we really need you right now because our bullpen's suffering. Um, but it worked. It worked. So shouts to the Padres for getting the sleep. The sweep uh, means a lot, definitely for sure. And I think that we gotta hope that they can keep it up from here. But we're not done covering this series, ladies and gentlemen. We're not done. Uh, I still got a lot that I want to talk about. But before we get into that, let me just tell you about a fantastic app that I teased at the top of the show, and that is Game Time. Game Time's great, guys. You know what I mean? There's flash deals. There's last-minute tickets. You can find tickets for kind of everything you want, by the way. It's it's not just, you know, you're listening to a baseball podcast. It's not just baseball. They got you with football. They got you for basketball. They got you for um, concerts, you know, comedy setup routines. What are they called? Stand-up comedy sets and whatnot. The theater, uh, if you want, and much more. So that's really cool. So Game Time is not – if you're maybe like me and you're not only a baseball fellow, well, guess what? Game Time can help you out with all sorts of tickets uh, that you may be interested in. And like I say, you can get exclusive flash deals as well. And what I really like is that um, you can always, on top of getting the best price over at Game Time, if you find tickets in the same section, don't worry. You can get your money back and whatnot and switch. So don't worry about, oh, no, we, we messed up. We bought the wrong seats. We could have had even better you know, if we held out just a little bit longer. Don't worry. They got you covered in that respect. Um, and honestly, as a visual learner, I like that they give you little image seats. 
uh, images of your seats before you buy them so you can see what it kind of looks like. Um, just nice, nice little quality of life thing. So shouts to game time, guys. Download the app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. But again, that is creating account using the code LOCKEDONMLB for $50 off. I don't know why I got so somber there for a second, but download game time today, guys. LOCKEDONMLB for $50 off. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed at game time. And we're back, everybody, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. You know what I mean, man? <laughs> Thank you for making us your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. Let's continue covering this series uh, with the July 4th game. And the July 4th game was pretty nutty. And it was almost a little disappointing um, in a lot of ways. It was electric for the beginning. I mean, this is a matchup that you get amped for. And here's the man coming out. As uh, I, I said this before, but Musgrove, I really felt like had just had this weird delayed start. He didn't look fully in control. Maybe he was still recovering from that toe injury. Totally possible. And that can maybe it was just lingering. It was just bothering him. He didn't feel like the full confidence to step on it or something like that. It could have been possible. And that's what I've been saying for the past few weeks. But ever since he kind of basically at the turn of June, um, Musgrove has been excellent. Uh, really good, and in this game, he goes seven innings and his season-high 11 strikeouts, only one walk, three hits allowed, only allowing one run. Just really, really excellent stuff for Joe Musgrove, um, for sure, and he deserves a lot of credit. Like I said, he is a guy that has just been there. Um, I just love how much he's always there for this team, and don't get me wrong, Waka's been great. Lugo's been great. Him and his mean fastball, Mr. Lugo. And he's Puerto Rican, so you know, I got to show respect for my guys. You know what I mean? But Musgrove has been so needed, I think, um, for this team. Um, he's been such a, a need. It was a little bit of a bad omen when he got hurt uh, prior to the season starting with the weight room incident. Um, but he's just been, he's again, he's been so good for a while now that it's, it's just really, it makes me happy if there's anything that's been, like one of the cooler things to see lately, it's that he's just being back um, to his usual self. Don't get me wrong. He's going to have a start upcoming when he gets hit a little bit. He's prone to that. Sometimes the curveball hangs a little bit. Sometimes he just can't quite put runners away and whatnot. But like I said, um, combine Musgrove as a pitcher who just has so many different pitches that he uses and just so smart with which ones he throws, which ones he chooses to utilize, depending on the matchup, um, taking advantage of the fact that he's got a great defense behind him, I think. Um, same thing with for Waka and Lugo. That he's just he's just always been there. He's been the most consistent pitcher on the Padres for years now, since 2021. He threw the no-hitter. He's a hometown favorite, 2.25 ERA in June. And even when he came back, by the way, even in May, he wasn't that bad, 3.68. Again, even when he's at his worst, he's still a pretty quality starter. His max power is a lot higher. You know what I mean? His peak, his ceiling in certain starts is really high, as you've seen in big matchups. He had a great start against the Dodgers this year, I'm pretty sure. He had an amazing start against the Yankees, for sure. And in this game, in this series, on July 4th, he's got a little bit of a big game motor to him, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. So, shouts to them. Um, the only thing that hasn't been great for the Padres has been the bullpen. Uh, unfortunately. So while he does well and he quote unquote outduels Shohei Otani, who I mentioned earlier gets hurt, he leaves after giving up a home run to who was it that he gave up the home run to? Let me see. Was it Cronenworth? I think he leaves in the bottom of the sixth after he allowed a home run to Xander Bogarts, who has a big series, by the way. 
um, for sure. And then Cronenworth, he leaves, chips something. He's got a blister. Unsure if he'll be able to play in the All-Star game. And that, again, that stinks. Out of all the teams for us to finally get a sweep against, Angels were, like, at the bottom for me. It's like Angels-Mets. I, I just, can it be the Dodgers? Or like the D-backs or, or one of our divisional people. I, I'll even take a Brewers or a Cardinals or, I don't know, like a Cubs, a, a, a Pirates. I would have liked sweeping the Pirates. But unfortunately, it's this team that I root for um, just because of the amazing talent of Shohei and Trout. But um, that happens in this game. And they don't let up there. Xander has a big game. Like I said, Machado drives one in. They're up 8-1. Um, and let me just mention to you guys, one of the reasons I gave Xander uh, yesterday, I was talking about how... I thought that Machado deserved a lot more criticism, I felt, because, and there's been something going around. Actually, we'll save that for a next segment. Uh, something that's been going around Padres Twitter a little bit late. We'll save that for next segment. But uh, Padres bullpen has been among the worst in baseball this month, um, specifically since June. Um, since, or I'm sorry, specifically since that giant series. The one that blew up started making everyone really talk about whether or not they want to fire Bob Melvin. I still am pretty vehemently against that. I just don't think it's his fault that guys have just been unable to just get simple outs for them. Yes, you can criticize a couple of the moves, and he's been criticized for bullpen management before, but I really just feel like, it, is it his fault that he brings in Jose Castillo and in his like kind of debut, they need arms to be able to just go out there. You can't just be using Hader and Cosgrove and Wilson, who's on the IL right now, right? They don't have Suarez. They don't have Pomeranz. What, what, do, you, what do you want him to do sometimes is what I've been wondering with, with the criticisms with him. He brings in Castillo, and he comes in, only gets one out. He walks two. He gives up four earned runs. And then they are forced to use Josh Hader. And you should not be in that situation. That's bad. Like, actively bad. You don't need me, the idiot with the clown jester hat, to tell you that. It's just really kind of shameful. It's really pathetic that they weren't able to go in, give Hater that extra day off or whatever, or potentially use him for the third game. Now, they ended up using him for the third game because I think they were desperate to finally get a sweep, and they know it's now or never, right? I think that that's totally possible. Maybe they got a little bit of approval from Hater. Maybe he wants to win too, right? These are, again, I don't have clubhouse intel, but maybe that's a big part of this is him being like, you know what, I can't just let this happen again. I need to go in there and do some work. And while Hader ends up giving up um, some runs, they weren't his in the first place, right? Castillo, like I said, he only gives gets one out. And then the bases are left loaded, and it's 8-4, and we're like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, they actually might come back here, and it was it was really rough. Hader comes in. He actually walks two uh, and then gets a strikeout. But again, that's such a tough situation, right, to be brought in with the bases loaded like that. You can't make any mistakes. You can't throw a wild pitch. Nothing can get away from the catcher. So bringing him in, it really stunk, but I'm glad that they were able to still get the win. But Padres bullpen, man, just really, really gross for a while now. In fact, I'm going to bring up some numbers if I have them right now, actually. Let me see. When the heck did we play the Giants? What was it, June 16th? Let me see. It was June 19th. So the Padres bullpen numbers, I mean, my lordy, uh, since June 19th, again, since the criticisms of Melvin kind of came into full force, uh, just really just killing uh, the Padres is the bullpen. And I don't want to hate them so much because they are literally what has kept the team, along with the defensive starting pitching, in such great shape. Heading into that series with the Giants, they had the third best or fourth best bullpen in baseball, according to ERA. And I don't think it was fluky. I think guys like Wilson, Hader, Cosgrove really approved, um, um, really, uh, what's the word? 
really attested to that. Those guys can get you a lot of strikeouts. Nick Martinez is another one who I didn't bring up. He allows a run yesterday. He's just broken. And some people have tweeted at me, oh, well, he's he's been broken for a while. Not really. As a starter, he's just kind of eh. But as a bullpen guy for a while now, including last year, he was really effective. So is it possible that people are figuring out Nick Martinez's changeup now? That's possible, right? Like, it's totally possible that that could be happening and that, um, you know, the Padres need to be on lookout for that. And why am I seeing – let me see here. Where's the Padres' bullpen? 13th, 4.09 ERA since June 16th? That can't be right. That's weird. Well, whatever. Bottom line is they showed it on the broadcast last night that for a while now the Padres' bullpen has been a mess. And the fact that Garcia – and uh, Jose Castillo in Tuesday's game, the fact that him, the fact that Martinez now, who was this long inning reliever, who you can sometimes use him for not just a long inning, but multiple innings. If he's falling apart now, that's really not all that great uh, for the project's prospects. This guy had a 2.80 ERA um, on June 17th against Tampa. Then he gets lit up by Tampa, lit up by San Francisco. Does fine against Washington, He and then Pittsburgh. It was Pittsburgh that was the nightmare. That's when the Nick Martinez thing started to become worrying to me. And I like him. I think that he's an effective pitcher most times. But he didn't even get an out against Pittsburgh. And that was a red flag. And then they bring him in against Cincinnati. He only gets an out. He's just not been all that effective. And it stinks because they really need him, considering the Pomeranz and Wilson and uh, Suarez injuries. Hopefully those guys can get back soon. But that's not great. And Tim Hill... He's okay, but again, I, I have found it really funny that ever since he had that great outing against the Giants, he has just been not nearly as great, right? Like, it's just worth pointing out. And the fact that he had, like, three throwing errors in two days, like, Tim Hill immediately uh, attacking and reprimanding the people of Padres Twitter that thought he should have gone for that third inning against San Francisco. But uh, nonetheless, the Padres still do get the win. They're not going to be able to use, or they might be able to use him, but it's probably less likely that they'll be able to use him against the Mets. I bet you that a big part of the reason they used him is because they had a day off today. I think that's huge. I think that if they don't have a day off, I think that they're just trying to trust Castillo or whatever to just luck into a grounded play or whatever and think, you know what, it's 8-1, how bad could it really get, you know? If it's 8-7, we'll take it. You know, that's totally possible. But, uh, hey, they got it done. Big games from the offense as well. Love to see it. And... You know, a July 4th matchup, Musgrove coming out strong, out-dueling, quote-unquote, Shohei Otani. Really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. But first, before we get into the last segment of the show, a quick break. All right, everybody, we are back here on the Lockdown Padres podcast, rocking and rolling uh, and celebrating a nice sweep by the Padres of the Angels. And on Tuesday, hold on, was it Tuesday? No, this is Monday. I I don't know about you guys. Is the July 4th on Tuesday throwing off your sense of time? It can't just be me, right? It it felt like it was Saturday and Friday for a little bit. And then all of a sudden now it's two, it's Thursday now. You know what I mean? It's just, it's really throwing me off. Wednesday felt like a Monday. I just, it, it ugh, worst July 4th placement. It feels like at least uh, for a while. So shouts to the universe. There's no one to really blame for that. So yeah, shouts to the universe, I guess. Um, Monday's game. Um, I talked about Blake Snell already. Don't need to mention him too much. Actually not his best start in the world. He gives up seven hits and walked four, but he works out of it. And if that's going to be his worst start in which he doesn't give up any runs and kind of works out of trouble, I'll take it. Especially against a team that had been 
you know, hitting pretty well. Taylor Ward in this game, he goes two for five, but they don't get anything really out of Shohei Otani, at least hitting-wise. He draws two walks. They don't give up the big hit. Anthony Rendon, he has a lot of walks. Again, two walks from Rendon, two walks from Otani, a walk from Mike Trout. But the Padres with Blake Snell, and while their bullpen was weird, um, with Domingo Tapia coming in, and he's not terrible, I don't think, Tapia. He's just... I think that there was optimism that the way he performed in spring training was like, wow, did they just find another like key bullpen arm? He's not that. He's just average. There's going to be times when he's really exciting. But, uh, I mean, look, before that game, he had been lowering his ERA for a while now. Actually, he'd been on a pretty good streak. Um, he had a 2.6. And then he goes in, only gets one out, gives up two earned runs. It happens. He's not dreadful. He's not the type of player that I'm even scared to put in when we're up by four. I know that's not the best ringing endorsement, but if we're up by four or five, I'm not dying if Domingo Tapia is on the mound because I think that he's capable of getting some outs in the right situations. Cosgrove, electric once again. Tim Hill, who I mentioned he gives up a run in this one. Nick Martinez, he was good in this, and then Josh Hader gets the save. Um, or not the save, but he boils down the last inning. So that was really cool. Um, but this wasn't about that. This was about offense. They scored 10 runs, and it wasn't as fluky. Uh, as it was in the third game when it was walks with bases loaded and mistakes, right? Instead, Xander Bogart's a big series for him. He homers in the bottom of the first inning to make it 3 nothing. I saw it, uh, I think I went out while I was with my friend and we were playing, what were we doing? I think we were eating dinner and I put on the game on my phone uh, as one does. Look, it's part of my job, guys. Listen to me. Uh, <laughs> I'm not being rude, uh, but we were eating food. Um, I think we were having hamburgers or something and that was great. And then Cronenworth gets a single in the bottom of the fourth. Nice series for Cronenworth, by the way. Sacrifice fly. He gets a big single later on in the game. Nice series for Cronenworth. One thing I will say about him, I have complained about how he just, no, he is not going to swing and miss a lot, but man, the contact is almost always bad. He's fouling pitches right behind the plate. It's just, it's not the greatest thing. But one thing I do like about Cronenworth is, and I think all these guys care, but I still love his electricity and seeing it, like seeing how pumped he is getting that single in the bottom of the fourth, seeing how pumped he is, even getting a sacrifice fly. Like he knows he's struggling. He's been just big time disappointment this year. Like one of the worst overall players on the team, especially since his defense uh, at first base isn't adding to his like overall like F4 total or something like that. Uh, Cause it's just how first base can be. Um, it's still really great to see. Um, from him. Tatis gets a triple um, later on in the game because, of course, he did. Machado gets an RBI. Basically, everybody. And it was really cool. One thing pointing out, worth pointing out, is that Nelson Cruz got DFA'd, by the way. Um, yeah, I mean, I get it. He just doesn't take that enough pitches. He's old, doesn't cost all that much. It's hard to keep DH only guys on a roster, like multiple DH guys on a roster, especially if they're not performing on the, all that well. And Cruz wasn't. I will say, though, I was a little bit surprised only because Cruz, while not a great at bat, I make the joke about how he takes three hacks and sits down. But he, out of all the players on the team, significantly improved when runners were on base. So I was a little bit surprised that it happened um, so quickly, uh, especially considering maybe he's just a good clubhouse guy. I was a little bit surprised by that just because he goes from being a 240 hitter to a 280 hitter when runners are on base. Uh, basically absent Tatis and Soto. No, everybody else gets significantly worse uh, when runners are on base. And Hassan Kim now has been okay. He's basically the same thing with runners in scoring position. But I was a little bit surprised only from that perspective. But I get it. It stinks. And if you're going to make moves, I guess it makes sense. Some people might be wondering why you can't get rid of Matt Carpenter. Well, it's because they signed him a big contract. Nelson Cruz costs like the veteran minimum. So that's why. 
uh, and I hope that Carpenter gets better, but I don't see it. And I was worried about this in the offseason. I was worried that he tinkered his swing and people weren't prepared for it, particularly at Yankee Stadium. I thought he was taking advantage of the short porch and it was a small sample size and he'd been bad for a long time. I didn't hate the signing because I didn't think I thought that the you know top of the lineup would make up for it. But he's just been this is why you can't buy into small sample sizes no longer how no matter how good they are. Other people see what these players are doing. Players are smart. They have so many resources and data and everything that can analyze how to stop you. Um, but again, uh, three for three with Xander in this game, a home run, uh, three RBIs on a walk Machado two for five Tatis three for five with a triple, just awesome, awesome stuff. And Hassan Kim has a bad game here, but it's okay. He's still batting 260 on the season, uh, which is nuts. Again, Hassan Kim, man, I just can't stop, stop praising him enough. We need to do a Hassan Kim only episode. This guy's awesome. I mentioned um, before, I forgot to mention it when I was talking about the game specifically from yesterday, but the game-saving play with the bases loaded, Hater looking at him, like, smiling, like, he's great. Just an awesome play for him to not only have to go after that dribbler and make sure that he reaches his glove down for it, but also be able to swing the ball so fast to first base. That's why he's Hassan Kim, man. He's such a beast, and shouts to the Locked On Mariners guys who had a mock trade that sent us Thai France in exchange for him, which is just really mean and cruel. Uh, so go leave comments to those guys if you want and tell them I sent you and tell them you'll be hearing from me soon because this cannot go um, unchallenged. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about really quickly is that there's been a little bit of a, a text message thing that's gone around Padres Twitter. Some people have taken it into a meme. Uh, shout out at Jake of all trades on Twitter. Uh, or it's at Snake Pliskin, I think, on Twitter, who used the meme where he was like, what Xander Bogart saw, or what we saw, and it's just the at-bat of Xander hitting the ball. It says, what Xander Bogart saw, and it shows Manny Machado's face on the ball. For those unfamiliar, there was this random kind of user who posted a text conversation with their dad that said that their dad was, you know, the dad said, like, he's really tight, like, one of his closest friends or whatever is in the front office, or not in the front office, but has has a really close connection with the Padres clubhouse and all these little like you know uh, nuggets of information that Trent Grisham is lazy, that Manny Machado and Tatis are getting along, but they're not homies. Which I think that the usage of homies was funny to me. I don't know why, but it just was. Um, <laughs> you have that, and they say Xander and Manny hate each other, right? And that Melvin uh, can't get a conversation with Soto unless um, his agent Scott Boris is present. Here's the thing. I don't want to talk about all that stuff. If you want to make jokes about it, go for it. I think that's funny. Like I said, that Xander meme with him seeing Machado's face on the ball. Um, if there was anything true, I don't want to talk about it too much. I will say that it would. I want to reinforce my opinion that Machado deserves so much more criticism. We love him. I love him. But he deserves a lot more criticism to me than Xander Bogarts. New team, first year of a big deal. This happens all the time. New league from American League to National League, facing all new pitchers. Yes, I know that stuff doesn't always matter, but I think it's still worth pointing out um, for sure. And Xander Bogarts has a World Series on his resume. Other guys on the team don't necessarily have that. So if Xander Bogarts is in the locker room and saying, like, trying to get guys pumped up or whatever he's saying, he has a little bit more cachet uh, to do that, I think. Um than other guys. Uh, granted, those other red, this is baseball, and he's not the only one. But even still, like he's seen what it's like. Like I said, he's a World Series champion. Uh, is he a two-time World Series champion? By the way, he's a two-time World Series champion. I forgot about that. Two-timer. So if anybody has the cachet to walk into a locker room and be like, "Hey, I've been there before," it's this guy. Manny hasn't been there. Tatis hasn't been there. Snell hasn't been there. Musgrove hasn't been there. 
or wait, Musgrove has been there. Never mind. Shout outs to the Astros. Uh, but you get my point. So don't read too much into that. For the record, full disclosure, every now and then, like a little bit, I hear tiny little things about what's going on with the Padres and little inside info. But I have nothing on this uh, personally. I have nothing on the locker room. It's pretty tight knit. And even if I did, I don't know if I would share it. So in fairness, I just want to be totally objective and tell you, I don't know if I could say anything if I knew about what was going on with the Padres right now. But uh, the last thing to mention is just, you're going to get a lot of this. We're going to get a big story, probably from The Athletic, MLB.com, whatever, uh, heck, The Ringer, whatever. Like, you might get stuff like this talking about what's going on. Shouts to Dennis Lynn. I'm sure he's he's cooking up some heat as we speak over at The Athletic. Totally possible, but just... Remember that when teams, high-profile teams, are struggling like this, everyone will come out of the woodwork and say that they have a source or they have vibes about what's going on. I haven't really done that, I think. If I have, my apologies, because I don't, I don't think I've done that, but whatever. Um, again, I, I really haven't heard anything. I hear, like, tiny sprinkles of stuff every now and then about baseball worlds, but nothing that's all that uh, revelatory as this alleged text message thing was. Um just remember that there's such an incentive to pile on and come out of the woodwork and say all these things and trash players. I remember like years ago and this one still tracks, dare I say, but like Aaron Rodgers, after he had like a bad season, everyone then came out of the woodwork and said how bad of a teammate he was and whatnot. So you just got to keep those things in mind that it's very easy to say the things that would be enforced by what regular people like myself and you, the listener or viewer uh, have seen you know Grisham he stinks at the plate he swings through strikes oh guys let's say that he's lazy behind the scenes you know what I mean like it just it's easy to go for that stuff so I'd keep an eye out for that and just wait for the article you know what I mean like if things continue the way they are I'm sure we're gonna get a piece about this we got a piece after the 2021 collapse this is a high profile team these days um so I have no doubt in my mind that we'll hear stuff soon but if they keep playing better, maybe we won't because maybe the story won't be as juicy if they play better. So we'll have to see how that transpires. But again, just felt like it was worth talking about that just a tiny bit. I do like the jokes about it, though. They were very funny. Shout out to Nick Pliskin on Twitter. Um, and that basically does it for me, folks. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A, a rare uppity. I want to be more uppity on today's episode because it was cool, even if it doesn't change my overall view on the season that they got this sweep. Uh, it was really cool, especially against a team that had been playing pretty good baseball lately. Um, even if it came at the expense of killing all their best players, seemingly. Um, but with that said, guys, tomorrow's episode with Millard Thomas is a nice chunky boy for your weekend. We do an NL West update talking about the state of the division with the D-backs, with the Padres, whether or not this kind of series is going in their momentum. If the... Um, not serious, if they're gaining momentum because the Diamondbacks and other teams have been losing lately, so maybe they're going to be able to gain ground. I don't know. And we do a draft of the most surprising players or teams. It's another one of our drafts. We're going to be doing that, I think, pretty often as our weekly crossover, but it's really, really fun, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Some Padres are included, so be prepared for that, um, guys. But with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the pot drays themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow the show at LO underscore Padres or myself at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.